Hey, welcome back to The Breakdown. I'm Joe Redonis, and with me... Ryan Turner. He's always here. I am. I'm just here. <laughs> I'm so glad you came. I was by myself. And then you were like, where's where's Joe? <laughs> Someone turned on the lights. <laughs> Why are you in the dark? Cool. <laughs> so we are excited. We got another great episode for you. Today, we have Roger Rojas, who is known as the content CEO. So to give you a little bit of understanding background on Roger, um, Roger grew up in Miami, Florida, uh, had a great family background. And from a young age, he really felt the need to test his own limits and leaving what was a comfortable position. He went to go bet on himself as he called it to move to New York city. So he was attending Iona college, took every opportunity that he could in an effort to understand what he loved eventually landing and receiving a commercial real estate internship, which he learned that he did not want and realized he wanted to go for something bigger, something that more than what he was supposed to do. So realizing this, Roger bet on himself and got this opportunity to provide content for a gym outside of New York City, um, something that you'll learn he went against the grain with maybe what his family thought was best, but following his gut with no experience, no portfolio, he started charging trainers $30 a month to get started for these content deliverables. So Roger stayed the course and became a self-taught content creator. He has since created social stories for everyone from Super Bowl champion Patrick Mahomes to celebrity entrepreneur Grant Cardone. Roger is the social creator of choice for New York City's Grit Boxing, a club that is owned or co-owned by Tony Robbins and Pitbull. He recently attended the $100 million mastermind experience, which was attended by Chris Jenner, Amanda Searney, Magic Johnson, among several others. So quite the resume for such a young professional. And we are going to dive into his story a lot more. Ryan... This one, I mean, what what did you learn from Roger? What were some takeaways for you? I loved what Roger's learning about himself and what he's learned so far. Again, mm. he is a young professional. And to really hear his takeaways right now, I'm excited for him just to be taking the next steps and what he's been able to do. And there, there's a, there's a quote in here that I think he shared, which I actually thought he was sharing because maybe it's something he lives by, but I actually repeated it back to him. And it sounded like it was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit nuanced in maybe the way he was thinking about it, but I loved it. I think it wrapped up for me exactly what he's doing. And so I want people to listen and keep an ear out for that because yeah. it was really, it was really telling for uh, everything he's experienced and how he helps people through what he does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, you can tell, I mean, he's still young and he's, he's got such a big career ahead of him. I mean, he is, just on the cusp of, of some great things. And you're hearing a great story, I think, about trusting your gut, staying the course, working hard. There are some really good principles here. And his energy is very contagious. I mean, he's always got this vigor about him that that was one of the first things I've noticed about him, you know, because these great things are happening to him. And it's so easily, I think, you know, uh, dismissed as, oh, just they're just happening. And it's just kind of easy to get at this point. There's momentum. And I'm like, it, it, it's not that simple. Like Roger works his tail off. I mean, he's in love with what he does and you'll see that he's in love with servitude, a common theme that we're picking up, right? Um, he just wants to over deliver for his clients and tell their story. Um, what his, uh, it's what he calls his vessel is the camera, which, which oh, I yeah. loved hearing about yeah. that. 
um, how he gets in these rooms and, and can connect with people. So um, let's dive into this conversation with Roger. Um, enjoy, take a listen, and here we go. All right, Roger, welcome to the show, dude. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited about this. It's cool. So I'm a little jealous because you're in Miami, Florida right now during this quarantine. Smart move on your part. Mistakes made. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed enough to be from here and able to run away from what's going on in New York. So No kidding. How long have you been down there now? When did you leave New York? Uh, this past Thursday, made it three weeks. <sighs> Blessing. So in two more days, it'll be a month. Right, and you're with your family right now in Miami, yeah? Yeah. So actually, um, I'm not actually. I'm staying at my best friend's house. Um, my, you know, I grew up with my father and my grandmother. And so just because at the time when I came down, I wasn't feeling well. And I thought, you know, maybe I had it, maybe I didn't. So I stayed with a friend who took me in and just to stay away from her. She's older and my father has been staying at my friend's house. Oh, it's awesome. I have a question. Did your friend yeah. <laughs> get sick at all? Um, actually, he did, and then oh, no. he actually had a client. He actually had a client who um, his mother was a nurse, and he he he's already tested twice negative for corona. So I feel good. Okay, okay good. we're safe. Yes. <laughs> no mistakes. I feel good. I'm glad, yeah, no mistakes. Glad you're healthy, man. Um, so look, dude, it's, it's awesome to have you on the show. I I've known you, um, since I've really been in New York and I've always been curious about your story and it is, it is a fascinating one to share. I, I told you the other night I listened to your podcast, which went into even more detail. Um, for those of you guys who don't know Roger, I mean, he's known as the content CEO and he has worked with some amazing people. A lot of people that you all would know. And we'll dive into some stories because it's very fascinating. But before we even get into there, I feel like it's so important to understand where you come from and how you even got into this spot. Because I think it's an incredible story that talks about what hard work means and what following maybe your gut or your calling, your instincts really is all about. So let's let's start with just Miami because I mean that's that's the best place to start. I've heard your story. Um, what was it like growing up in Miami, and what kind of triggered you, or uh, why did you feel the need to to even leave? Yeah, so growing up in Miami was definitely an interesting thing. Where I would like to call it, we all live in our own bubbles, so we only know what we see. And so at that time, especially growing up there wasn't social media and um, not to the extent that it's used today. It was around, but you know, it's just starting. Right. And the, the lifestyle that I had, I was very fortunate. came from a great family, you know, had everything I needed and more. And for me, I'm one of five and very typical Hispanic household, you know, lives with my grandmother my dad and my siblings were all super close. And I I just kind of wanted to get away. I wanted something different. I wanted to experience things on my own terms because my father and my grandmother are so loving and caring that they watch and tell me my every move. (laughs) So through that, I wanted to experience life on my own. And I was lucky enough to attend a private Catholic high school here in Miami. And they had a brother, sister, I guess, I don't know what the exact term is, but 
a college that's associated with our high school, uh, ran by a congregation of brothers known as the Christian Brothers. And I was lucky enough to become very close with one um, outside of school and school. So he knew me academically and he also knew socially like everything I did because I was so close to him. And he advised me to look into Iona College, which is a private Catholic school in New Rochelle, New York, about 30 minutes north of New York City. And uh, I looked into it starting around my sophomore year. And then I didn't really take it seriously until like my end of my junior year where I went to actually go visit with my sister. And I walked on the campus. They gave me the same type of energy, small, intimate. They were telling me the professors become like your friends. Um, And that was the same experience that I had in high school, you know, at Mac. We had maybe 15 kids in a class. You know, some classes I had like six. And so I love that. And I knew that with my personality that I needed my professor to pay attention to me and vice versa. Um, that if I were to attend a public school, I'd get lost. And so I made that decision, took that leap of faith to go there. And it's, there's a, a life lesson that I took from this that I apply to every day. And I always tell people is that when I first thought about it, I didn't want to go. I, there was a part of me that did. And then of course the part of me that didn't, and it wasn't because there was anything that had triggered it, but it was more so that self doubt or fear of the unknown. And the Christian brother that I'm referring to, Brother Ford, who's still, he's now at Iona College and he helps out with admissions and we're very, very close. And he told me something that, again, that I always think about. He said, hey, give it a shot. Try it. Um, and worst comes to worst, not even the full year. Let's say you don't like it after the first semester. Just come back. Your family's still going to be here. Everything's still going to be here. He's like, I'll even help you look into transferring. But I promise you that just give it a shot and try it. And I did that, and I had one of the best semesters of, you know, college, that fresh and fall semester because I did everything. And um, I was open-minded towards it. it. So what was, so being open-minded and kind of, I mean, this seems like it was like a period of exploration for you. And yeah. how did you, what was that path like? Like what what got you to even a place, Roger, where you were like, this is something that I'm interested in as far as, photography and videography, right? Which is what you do now. It's so well, how did you even land there through the experiences of trying so many different things in college? That was the greatest thing that I was able to experience was the ability to try so many different things. So my, every summer I made sure that I targeted something in business because just like everyone else, I was unsure. I knew I wanted to be in business, but I didn't know what focus, let it be accounting, let it be finance. Uh, let it be administration or management. So every summer I took on a job that kind of got me going. So that first summer I had an accounting job here in Miami. And I also took on a retail job at a store known as All Saints. It's a European brand. They have a couple of stores here in the U.S. And so I, I did the accounting internship. And by the end of it, I knew that wasn't for me. But with the retail job that I was doing simultaneously in Miami, I knew that I loved the human interaction. So I loved speaking to people and kind of getting that part going. So I was like, all right, maybe I'm onto something, maybe it's sales. And then the following summer, I was lucky enough to work at a friend's father's car dealership. And I got to see the finance side of things and kind of running the business. And I would always ask him questions on how to do certain things and what things were being done and how people were being hired. And so I was like, all right, maybe I'm, I'm into the management side of it. And that kind of pushed me there. And then it was ultimately, I believe, um, which was completely towards my career today that changed everything was I had an opportunity to work for Gatorade. So I had a good friend of mine who had uh, created a Gatorade video and posted it on his Facebook. 
posted on his Facebook and I hit him up. I was like, dude, what is this about? And he's like, well, it's a marketing internship that we're going to travel across the country um, and market Gatorade products. I was like, that sounds amazing. How can I get involved? And he told me, unfortunately, that it's closed. And he said something to me that once someone tells you, you think they'll never call you. He says to me, hey, if anything changes, you know, it's closed right now, but if anything changes, we'll hit you up. Long behold, you know, a couple of weeks passed, he calls me. Um, and I, I pick up the phone. He said, Hey man, actually there's an opportunity. One of our guys dropped. I sent them your resume. I spoke to them about you and what you're capable of doing already. So you don't have to make a video. All you have to do is jump on a phone call right now. I was like, really? He said, yeah, there's a Gatorade executive who wants to speak to you, you know, just ask you further questions. And, um, if you do well on it, you'll start. I was like, sweet. Go through the phone call. It went well. And they're like, all right, you're starting in two days. And it ended up being an internship where I was able to take photos and meet amazing athletes. Every top athlete on the East Coast went from Miami to the West Coast, IMG Academy, which is essentially a breeding ground for athletes. Uh, yeah. yep. um, and we would travel to North Carolina. And through that experience, I took photos. And by the end of it, I knew that those photos, you know, that moment, that aha moment, I'm like, wow, I was able to do something special and do that through my own creative eye. And a family friend gave me a camera and he told me, Hey, you can keep this camera as long as you do something with it and send me content. So I went back to school and I immediately did that. I was a part of a fraternity, created a fraternity video. My school saw what I did. And then I did this, um, it was a dance marathon that were raising money for a children's hospital. And I created that video as an example of what people had to do, um, as a competition that they created. And then long behold, I get contacted by a restaurant across the street who has, launching a meal prep company alongside someone who I took class with and he was the nutritionist. And I wanted this story is so important because this goes that you never know who you'll meet and the moment they come into your life and then the impact they'll have. I took many business classes. I took many different courses of everything in the business school. And it was the one class of one person that I met that gave me the biggest shot towards what I wanted to do. And it was a, elective dance class, a modern dance class. <laughs> I met a, a gentleman by the name of Frankie D'Agostino and Frankie was a local guy. He's two years older than I am. He was the nutritionist for this restaurant that I was just referring to that contacted me and they would end up being my first client to run their social media. And this is at a time where social media in 2015, people weren't really using it for business. It's still right. posting pictures with your friends and family, right? There weren't, people weren't really driving. Not, it doesn't have the attention that it has today. And so, hey, they said to me, hey, we can't pay you, but you could eat here for free. Nice. And for any guy, anyone that lives off campus in a university, that's, you're pretty much telling them that the gates of heaven are open to you and that you, you're going to, everything's set. And so I was really excited. So at that point, he saw what I was doing and simultaneously he was opening a fitness facility nearby. And little did I know, these little times he would grab me to go and film classes that he would end up telling me, he's like, Hey, when I graduated to come full time and he wasn't promising me salary. He wasn't promising me um, any real money, but he wasn't promising me opportunity. And I had to say no to two other corporate jobs at that time and tell my own family, Hey, I'm, I just graduated from a Catholic private school in New York and I'm going to start working at a gym. So you could imagine the type of disappointment they must have had. Yeah, let's right? let, let's go there, Roger, a little bit because I can relate to this. I mean, this 
this is, I think, an interesting part. Uh, and I think a lot of people are, are challenged with this. So I don't want to, I don't want to go fast through this. I think it's an important part of the story. What were you really feeling at the time? I mean, like th- there's serious conflict there. Um, you have a safe route that you can go. Um, you have a good family, but they were, were, did they really understand Did they want you to take that safe route? The biggest thing that I later learned is that the people closest to you love you the most. They want the best for you. And they will tell you things that they believe and that they know have worked to further grow you. Right. So I'm telling them in a course or field that they're not familiar with what I want to do. So the clear, and I say this because I love my family so much, much and I understand why they did it, where they were neglecting what I wanted to do because they didn't know what it was. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I yeah. think it makes a lot of sense because it might be coming from a place of fear, fear of many things. Yeah, and, and it's because they want they want the best for you. And, and that makes you know, if they love you, they want the best for you. And so they wanted that for me. And it was hard for me to explain to them because I had that gut feeling of knowing that if I took a chance here for 12 months, I would be 23 years old and I could still go back to Miami. I could still figure it out. That's Mm -hmm. what I kept telling myself. I'll give it 12 months. I'm 22. If this, everything fails, I can go back and I could figure it out because that's every, I've always been that way. I've always kind of reached out and figured things out. So I never thought to myself, uh, what's downside. I thought to myself, what's the upside? You know, it's a brand new gym, new trainers. They need content. I'm new to the content game. I want to build my portfolio. It just felt right. And again, the person behind it was the one who really pushed me. He believed in me before I believed in myself. He saw my potential. I swear to God, I, I wish, I wish I had these text messages he would send me every night, be like, Hey man, I love what you're doing. I saw what you did here. This photo is really good. This video is here. And if you look at it, they were horrible. I think half of the photos are probably fucking blurry to be honest <laughs> with you. I don't know. And he just had, he just had so much belief in me and that's what pushed me to keep going. And he constantly motivated me to do more. Well, Roger, it sounds like there's a lot of trust in yourself. And it sounds like this is maybe one of the first times that you found just at your young age, maybe a passion. Did Was there something in your life that you felt extremely passionate about the way that you did when you found all of this? I don't want the listeners to get confused with the idea of not knowing. So even though I tell the story now and you see me where I am today, which, you know, I've been very fortunate to work with all these amazing brands and people during that process, especially the first three months from the moment I graduated in May to August, I questioned myself every single day, not because of what I was doing. It was because of the idea of not knowing, right? Like that, that underlying feeling that never went away. Like it took a long time for that to go away for me to really believe in myself and saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I love. And this is what I want to continue doing. Even though I had opportunity, even though I had people supporting me, I still had self doubt. And so I only say that because sometimes people get confused as like, oh, I woke up one morning and I knew it. That wasn't the case for me. It really wasn't. It took me a while to really get things going, to have a sort of flow with, you know, uh, relationships, clients and jobs to get me to that point. Yeah, I think there's a lot of strength in it. 
I'm just kind of amazed at the, I guess, the awareness that you had at such a young age. Because I, I didn't develop that at, at that age. It took me a lot longer in life to understand like the conventional route versus even, honestly, even discovering a passion. And as you put, as you put it, like being willing to bet on yourself, I didn't even know what I wanted to bet on myself with, you know, didn't, didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> didn't even know you could place a bet on yourself. I thought you'd just take the next step that everyone else did. That's right. Well, I will say, you know, and I will defend the fact that I think it's definitely the idea of uh, resources that that's changed, right? Like now you see a 12 year old, like flipping houses or kind of starting his own online business. Yeah. And I think it's the idea of what, what we consume, you know, back then it was there. There was definitely books. There was definitely videos. There was definitely VHS, but now things are so much more accessible with your phone. Um, we're able to adapt and learn so quickly. You know, I was able, I didn't go to school for photography or videography. I never took one class and I was managing a fitness facility with content. Yeah, I was literally on YouTube every single day, every day. Do they you- would ask me something. I kid you not. They were one of the trainers. Like, hey man, can you uh, set the contrast down or kind of, can you make this photo darker? I'll be like, yeah, for sure. And I was literally YouTube, how to make a photo look cleaner or darker. So I kid it. you not. Figuring. That's just, that's how I, how, how I did it. Right. Figuring it um, but yeah. I was that that's, that's the thing that makes the internet so beautiful is that you just, it's being resourceful and finding the right people to listen to throughout that process now i have i just so i want to come back to this idea of passion and if you if this was driven by a passion for capturing something or whatever the end point was was there something here that was driving you was it inside of you that you felt like you the more that you looked into photography and the more that you helped out a business that you discovered more of yourself or was do you think that there was maybe something on the other end of the camera here where you wanted to be able to capture something that other people maybe didn't know about themselves or you wanted to capture something about that person's business and be able to show them right. because when I right. I recently read something and it, it very much sounded like Roger picked up a camera and you'd be impressed and now he's here and I was like <laughs> what the hell I mean like it sounds like you're not really giving him credit but at the same time I was like okay maybe there is no credit because Roger I don't I don't know you that well and I'm so glad to be talking with you now but there just behind that do you think it was more passion to be discovering more about you in that in that at that time or do you think that there was something driven about what you could give people that was driving you more maybe it was both but i'd love to know yeah i would say it was a mix of both because i've been i was raised serving my father was always that person that gave and for me i was talking to joe a couple nights ago about this where I felt that I had to do something that made people feel good. I had to do something that would change someone's day, would change someone's business and bring their, what I like to say, I'd like to create your vision and bring it to a stadium or show it to the world of what was inside your head and what other people need to see about your business, about your brand. And so I get fueled and I know that this is what I'm meant to do is because I get fueled when I get people's reactions with the content that I create or I hear back from the client and they tell me how they feel. And I also do believe with the camera itself, it creates moments that you can't replicate. It it does like, you know, that moment I've been, I don't have it as a service, but through close friends that have asked me, I've been able to capture in people proposing. And those are life moments that you, you know, you hope they're not repeating, but 
that they, you know, that they go through it only once and, you know, similar to a wedding. And I'm lucky enough to be that person to capture it for them. Like I take that stuff so personal. I don't think to myself that this is just another wedding. I don't think to myself, there's another proposal. I think to myself, these two people have known each other for so long and they're asking me to capture that five second moment that they're going to look back to show their kids forever. And so I think it's just more than that of loving what you do. And for me, it's been fueled by serving the people and let it be through their business or, you know, their personal lives is capturing that moment. And I, I want to come back to something that you said at the beginning that quickly caught my ear. I don't know if you've said this before you kind of hang any of your hats on this at all, but you said, we only know what we see. And so you opening up this door, whether it's now taking some sort of video or photography and showing someone their life from a different angle um, or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. But you you are you are basically breaking people from their little bubble. Right. Like maybe yeah. someone could have shown your little bubble when you were down in Miami. Hey, this is exactly what yeah. you're kind of in. Oh, I want to break out of that and experience this. But that we only know what we see. I think that's an amazing uh, you know, point to make here, because is that not what you're doing for these people? You are, you are making sure that they're not only seeing what they see. You're letting themselves see themselves in, in a different light from a different angle, um, you know, and understand themselves maybe a little better, whether it's vulnerability, whether it's, uh, you know, maybe they are, maybe they're, they're more athletic than they actually think they are, right? You put this different mindset about that person, on them. Right. That's deep. That's deep, Ryan. <laughs> Whew. Roger respond. Yeah, that. No, that, yeah I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about, because that the term, I love that you kind of brought that back because for me, that term of living in a bubble or having that bubble came from when I went to South Africa for two weeks and I spent time there. It was only for service and, I realized when I was there, you know, very kind of typical towards any person from the United States that visits a third world country, they're taken back and they're able to witness and see the way people live, right? And kind of what they have there, what resources do they have? What outlets do they have? And for me, when I attended South Africa and saw that, I realized that we wake up to a world, you know, you're born into a family, you don't have choice from right you you don't pick you don't pick where you you know or come you don't you don't have that choice and being in a quote-unquote bubble is the concept of realizing what is around you and who's around you and what can you do to better that situation or environment and with what i do for a living i think i love positive people because I believe those are the people that change the room. Those are the people that change your perspective. And those are the people that you want to be around. Like who doesn't want to be around a positive person? And so you can say the cliche thing like, yeah, sometimes like a positive penny, you, you get so annoyed of them. I've always been talking to you about quotes or kind of what you could do better things like that. But I view it as more. So I rather have that around me rather than someone who's complaining all the time. I'd rather have an individual like that around me versus someone who's talking about, you know, someone all the time. It's always talking about other people versus talking about ideas versus talking about what are they doing to improve versus talking about how can they improve their environment of people? How can they serve other people? How can they 
give back their time to people in their community, you know? And for me, the, the bubble that I view it as like right now, my current bubble is in Miami and I'm quarantined. I can't do that. So what can I do to better serve people? I'm spending a lot of time on my laptop and editing. I'm communicating with various groups. Like right now I have a project with people who are in Vegas. Another project with someone who's in Thailand. That's where she's quarantined. Um, I have another project with someone in New York. I'm helping him grow his fitness online community. And then I'm also the guy that I'm so lucky enough to call my best friend here. He's transitioning from, you know, training people face-to-face to now how can we do it online? How can we post more and things like that? And so I think it's viewing it as in your current bubble, how can you better serve the people around you? And then also by doing things that you love. So Roger, this is, see, this is something, and we talked about this a couple of days ago. When I first met Roger, one of the first nights that we went out, so the first thing that I noticed was this dude has this incredible energy, like this vigor for life. And we went out for drinks. We were with our, our mutual friend, Evan Betts. We were having a drink in New York. We're, we're just hanging out on this rooftop bar. It was a beautiful night. And we sat down just, you know, by ourselves at this table and we're all talking amongst each other. And I saw Roger immediately break away from the group and started talking to every stranger that was around us with no fear. This dude was just like, I need to get to know you. What are you about? And I was like, How, where does this come from? Right. And, and Roger, you told me a cool story because like what I'm noticing is you make it sound so effortless that you're talking to this person, to that client, to this person, you're connecting with all these people. But I find that to be that can be hard for a lot of people to put themselves out there and be in this attitude of servitude. Like, where does that even stem from for you? I, I, owe, I owe all of that to my dad. My dad raising myself and my four other siblings, specifically myself and my younger brother, because we're the closest in age. He would always take us out of our comfort zone and he would always remind us of how lucky we are, what we had. Um, there was one, you know, every Saturday morning, uh, my father, myself and my younger brother would jump on bikes and we'd go to the supermarket to get breakfast. You know, he would do you know, simple breakfast, eggs, Cuban bread, juices. And he would specifically always sometimes take the off route for us to see neighborhoods that weren't the best. And I, in the moment as a kid, you're like, why is he doing this? In a way it's like, why is he putting us in danger? But it always came back to the same thing. We would go home and he'd talk to us and he would remind us that not everyone has what we have. When I would complain about my orange juice being too warm, he would look at me and be like, there's a kid that doesn't even have that choice. It's a little hardcore if you're thinking about it, him talking to a 10-year-old that way. But in the moment, I was annoyed. But later in life, as today, I'm so thankful for it. Because he always did that. And still to this day, the one thing that he always says to me every time I see him, if it's like, why he'll look at me, he'll be like, what are your three good deeds for the day? What have you done to help someone? How have you served them? Like what He always tests me in that way. How, how have you helped them? How have you done something? He lives in a, a community now in Boynton Beach. And it's so funny because of the corona, right? You're like, I don't want to see anyone. And he has all the neighbors come out to their porch. And he forces people to talk to each other still, but just from the front porch. <laughs> and it's the idea of like, he loves community. And he thinks to himself, he's like, I'm alone. I don't like being alone. And I'm sure my neighbor and my three other people down don't either. And they don't. Like when I met them. I even told him, I was like, I'm sorry, my dad's a little crazy. I know that I shouldn't be seen. She's like, no, this is the first time I left my house all day. I'm so excited to be outside. Wow. And so it's, it's perspective, right? You think to yourself, 
especially your father, that cliche thing of him kind of always embarrassing you as a kid. Still mm-hmm. to this day, in a way, he does still embarrass me. But as a younger kid, he did it all the time. You know, and he purposely put me into programs from all different backgrounds. Like I grew up playing basketball at a public park that wasn't the best area. And he purposely put me in groups that I was different. And bluntly saying this, like he purposely put me in programs where I was the only white kid. And I would go home and always question, like, why is that? Like, why is he doing this to me? And he would always remind me, he's like, people in the world that we live in, there's people from different backgrounds and there's people that live different ways. He's like, I want you to see that. He's like, I want you to see how blessed you are. I want you to see how different people are and you need to accept them. And he kind of taught me in that more, that moment you're referring to, especially the rooftop of me, how you witnessed me bouncing around. I think the biggest takeaway from that is just like my dad instilled that into me. If you're a billionaire, millionaire, teacher, janitor, postal service person, restaurant worker, gas station guy, he talks to every single person the same. There wasn't one person that he changes for. And it's the idea of having respect for them and treating them with worth, right? And I'm so thankful now because I've been able to experience so many different things in a short period of time where as a child, I questioned it all. But now because of him, I'm so thankful for it because I understand perspective. I understand empathy. You know, I'm still learning. I'm not perfect in any way, but the idea is that he introduced that to me at such a young age. Roger, I'm curious, why is your dad that way? I that's just crazy, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I, I love him to death. I, yeah. He, they have an interesting story too, kind of, you know, they're, he's an immigrant, you know, born in Cuba, but came at the very young age. I believe he was two years old, maybe three over to Miami. Um, and he grew up at a time where in Miami, it was very uh, kind of not gang related, but more so you stuck with your people, you know, like him and his cousins, the Cubans and then the Haitians. And, you know, Miami is a melting pot of different backgrounds from South America, Central America. And that's kind of the lifestyle we had. It wasn't until I went to New York when I attended Iona where I witnessed that my friends were all from different backgrounds. My best friend's Argentinian. This one's from Nicaragua. The other one's Colombian. The other one's from Uruguay. And they're from all these different places. And that was my circle. And I believe my dad had a big impact on that because that's what he wanted for me, which was the idea of constantly putting yourself around other people from different backgrounds. And he, in a way, had that similar upbringing growing up in Miami. He went to the same private high school I went to. And Miami does that too. It's a cross-pollination of culture. And ultimately, I just believe he's a people person. Like he's, I truly believe he is on this earth to serve people. He's 60 plus years old. He doesn't have to do much. And still to this day, he'll wake up. I remember calling him. I was like mad at him for something so dumb. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm taking Cindy to the hospital. She's not feeling well. I was like, who's Cindy? And he's like, it's my neighbor. Two doors down. I'll call you later. And I'm like, what? Like, there's Uber, you know what I mean? Like there's Lyft, there's a taxi service. There's so many other things that this person could be using. And I'm sure they could, but my dad goes out of his way to do that. Always. Like that's his whole, just life kind of purpose. I believe is just serving others. Like he was meant to do that. And I see that through him today, you know, he's 60 plus years old and he's still doing that. Roger, I think it's so interesting that that's how your father is. And it sounds like you're that way too, but Something that you do is that you are trying to connect people through the internet. So 
something that could, I don't know if it confuses your father, if it's something that he really sees what you're doing, but where he's going to go outside and pull people together on their porches, you're, you're trying to build content to drive traffic to someone's profile and connect them that way. Do you see, do you, yeah. I don't want to say it's humor. I don't want to say it's, juxtap- it's juxtap- juxtaposition there. I don't know. I don't know what to say it is, but I think that's a pretty cool thing. How you basically are the digital age of your father, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, it's kind of, no one's ever said that to me. So I guess I, I, I see that now more than ever, you know, as I grew up, especially when I went away for college, I still talk to him on the phone, but just because of my current situation of living in New York, I don't see him as often. And I, yeah, I guess I could see that now, you know, you, this is, I'm having like a revelation on your podcast, thinking about it of, yeah, I'm doing the same thing just through content, you know? And I, I believe that my purpose to through content right now, I call it my camera is my vessel. I use my vessel to further extend a vision to further extend someone's own light, mm-hmm. would let it be through their personal brand, let it be through their business. And at the same time, I create a relationship with them because I believe that's one of the most important things you can do. That in life, you can't do it alone, that you have to have relationships with people and have relationships with people everywhere. Like I pride myself in knowing people in different places, mm-hmm. not because I want my name thrown around, not at all. I can care less about that. It's the idea that I know that if I can call someone in that city or at that time that they'll pick up and they're not thinking to themselves, Oh my God, what does this guy want? You know, like when I check up on you, it's because I'm genuinely thinking about you and it's, I'm having that moment. It's not about what I want from you. It's like, I think about like, what can I do for them? You know, like how can I better our relationship with what I do? and kind of serve them. That's what it comes down to. And that's like the basis of why I believe I've been able to grow so much is like, I just care. I don't, I'm not doing this. You know, money is a form of currency that we need, right? It's what we do with the transactional moment of, you know, I do this service, you give me this dollar amount. Like, yeah, for sure that, that matters. And that's important, but it's more than that. You know, one of my mentors slash clients, um, I, I adore her. Um, she's, so such a prominent powerhouse. Her name's Cindy Eckert. She's a, she created what is known as the little pink pill, the Viagra for females sold it for a billion dollars. And I was with her in Austin, Texas. We're having dinner. And she said something to me when I asked her about relationships and growing and building a company. She said to me, I don't hire anyone unless I could have a beer with them. I'm not able to sit down with them and talk to them about their life and what they're doing then how am I going to be able to work with them if I'm spending 80% of my life working? Mm. Right. And so that's the biggest thing for me is that the relationship part of it, you know, I'm able to use my vessel, which is a camera to get into rooms that I shouldn't be in, you know, <laughs> to rooms that I would never think I would be in. Well, and think, it's because of my, camera, I'm able to do that. Yeah. I think Roger, like you're, I, I, lo- I love that by the way that you say like, this is your vessel, right? Because I think when you're in something you're passionate about, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Like, this is my way of connecting and serving people. Right. Which I think is when you find that, I just think the, you know, uh, life is limitless for you. It can take you so many places. And what I've loved about your story too, like you, you started this journey, like at your friend's gym and with very humble beginnings in this space. Like you really, what you're talking about, I think is 
is being proven by how you even started because you might, you had to have a love for what you did because from what I heard from your story, you said you were charging personal trainers $30 a month to make content for them. Yeah. Sounds crazy now. Yeah. How do you do that in New York? How do you live? I feel like Roger just says like, yeah, man. So I don't know. I didn't know myself then. How was I doing? I could have charged a lot more. I think, I think <laughs> not to take away from everything we've just talked about, but I think it's, it's understanding the situation where at that time when I was starting, the gym was opening too. And there was trainers who were just starting their careers as well. And so the same way I was a nobody and, trying to create my own name and figuring what that was. These were trainers that were just starting their journey mm. in the fitness space with group fitness, with having one-on-one clients. And it was Frankie, you know, that dollar amount, like I swear to God, I don't, I wouldn't change it. Like that was a lot for me because I had no worth. I had no portfolio. And the idea for me was, I always thought he always reminded me. And when I say, he, yeah, I mean, Frankie, the bigger picture is that as they grow, you'll grow. You know, you invest in them, they'll invest into you. He was always pitching for them onto doing something at the time. You have to remember 2015, 2016, Instagram wasn't what it was today. Being on Instagram wasn't, yes, you had it, but it wasn't necessary for business. Whereas Instagram today is your 21st century business card. You know, you go up to someone, you're not like, hey, what's your website? You're like, hey, what's your Instagram? And at that time, it wasn't the case. So I was thankful for it and I still am and those people that trusted in me in doing that when I was still trying to figure out what I was doing like they don't even know this but at the time I didn't even know what Lightroom was I was airdropping photos from like I'll get into my camera my the pull up SD card put into my laptop and then airdrop it into my phone and edit on a Visco the app and then I would upload it into Dropbox and then send them a link but I was editing on my phone which I had no idea what I was editing I just picked three sets that look cool you know (laughs) Like people, there was no, there was no like magic to it. It was like, I was figuring this out too. And I was just as nervous. I still remember being out Thursday nights. I would have this, uh, I had a night class and from three to five, that was primetime gym hours. So I would shoot and then immediately go to class at six 30. And I would be in class sometimes, a lot of the times, just like editing photos on my phone. So when my professor would scream at me, like I would, like I wouldn't tell her, but I wish she could notice that. Like I was working, like I was editing and in class, you know. And they were asking me because they wanted to post content that night or the next day. And so I always did my best to get them the content as soon as possible. And that was like a, a story within itself of delivering and figuring that out. Like how do I separate myself as a creator? Yeah, we actually just talked about that recently on this podcast about where that that life and that passion, that work-life balance kind of is. And sometimes, you know, someone's trying to find their passion, but and maybe they're trying to find these like this delineation, you know, these lines, these these boundaries within it. But a lot of leaders, thought leaders, a lot of very, you know, successful people in their industry, in their own right, that they're successful because a lot of their life has blended into their passion, which is their work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it sounds like, again, you at a very young age, you found this out. And that's very impressive. Yeah. I, I think it's like an indicator that you love what you're doing because you're willing to start, you know, from nothing, right? Versus if you don't like what you do, like I'm going to worry about the salary, Right. That's going to be more important to me. Yeah. And I think, 
I think the biggest thing for me, and I want people to know this, is that I was doing it with a group of people that I loved. Like I, I adore every single one of those trainers and opportunities that they gave me when I first started. Like I wasn't waking up and thinking to myself, like, damn, I got to go here. I don't want to wake up and go here. Like I looked forward to doing it. Yes. I was stressed out a lot of the times and that was just because of my own confidence. But the idea was that I still loved it. I still enjoyed it. And I wasn't chasing that dollar. Like he, Frankie said this to me and I think about this all the time. He's like, yo, you got to make create, you got to meet people that you like and gravitate to and not move closer to them because you see a dollar sign over their head. Don't think about that dollar sign. Don't think about their following. Think about what you could do for them. Think about when you have that relationship, how can you better serve them? You know, because that stuff, you know, it, it's so cliche to say, especially if you're starting or don't have money or kind of don't have a following or don't have clients, but it's so true. You start to love what you do the moment you don't worry about the money and the moment you start working with people that you love, because what happens next is that you start to find yourself and create a relationship with someone to help them. And the moment you do that is the moment that you realize that you're meant to do what you do because you're in a happy place, you know? And I could say that, like, I genuinely could say that, Joe, you've witnessed it. Like, dude, that I still remember like it was yesterday, right before you invited me to your Sunday sermon class, you know, like one o'clock tone house class. And I was like, dude, let's go outside and shoot some content. We shot for 10 minutes and like, I still remember thinking to myself as we were shooting, I was like, oh, it's going to look so cool. It's going to be so awesome. Seeing the smile on your face and then jumping into class and then seeing you do your thing. And then after sending it to you, I just knew that it's what I'm meant to do. I'm doing it with people that I love and I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by also like thoughtful and creatives and people that care about themselves. Yeah, it's an incredible thing. So I have, I have two things now. One, I, I wanted to ask just about you looking, just I guess the foresight that you had with Instagram and the power it was going to have within marketing and how you really leverage all that right now. But yeah, I'll tell you right now, no, no, no way, no way that I think that Instagram was going to become what it was. No way. I Truthfully, I always thought to myself, you know, I'm going to ride this way for as long as I can. That's what I kept telling myself. Like the moment that it's over, then I'll worry about it. But there was no, I did not think that Instagram would propel me to travel the world. No way, no mm -hmm. way that I would be here today doing this podcast, telling you about the people that I've worked with and the opportunities that I've had. No shot. No way. There, there's no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to BS it. There's no way. Like I, I used it as a, again, a vessel. I used it as a tool. And I was thankful enough to be surrounded by great people, but there wasn't, I, I wasn't one of those people that thought to myself that Instagram was going to be the biggest platform in the world. No way. Mm -hmm. Roger, was there a different platform that you tried using that didn't work out so well? Uh, I would say, uh, I didn't say it didn't work out so well, but I definitely used it as much with Snapchat. So the business, uh, Transform Fitness, uh, we launched something uh, creatively because we had more eyeballs on Snapchat. So we started something called TF Kitchen where we would be in the kitchen and yeah, similar to a cooking show, but it was fun. We would add music and, um, you know, Frankie would show his personality and we'd have other trainers come in and do their thing. Um, I, I would say that was the only other platform. And then it kind of, I guess, plateaued uh, where we stopped doing it just because it just wasn't growing. We knew the viewership and the, the age demo wasn't ours anymore, but that was the other one that I was on pretty heavily the past like three years. 
So, yes. And, you know, I, I always consider myself like a middle of the road person when it comes to a lot of things. I'm like, oh, I don't really like this. Or if I choose something, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely ahead of the game on this. No, no, I'm like, I'm like right there with everybody else, like with, <laughs> with whatever that, that kind of trend is. Um, but where, you know, maybe this is a good question for later, um, but where do you see things going with social media? And is there another platform yeah, that you think is going to get built up right now? Yeah, my biggest, where my attention is right now is on TikTok. Um, so for those who don't know what TikTok is, I'm sure just due to the quarantine that people have heard of it or seen dancing videos because that's what's most relevant on the platform. Um, but it's very similar to Vine where it's short, short video uh, consumption. It's anywhere between 15 to 60 seconds of video. Um, and it's an open playing field. Like the organic reach on it is so massive. Um, and their current algorithm is very, very great. So let's just say yourself or myself as a creative, I'm always viewing, liking, and engaging with other content creators. My news feed or feed itself will be an example would be I look at a video that has a million, and then if I scroll up again, it can be, you know, John126, and he has three followers. And so the, the reach on that, the organic reach is so massive compared to Instagram where it's less than 40%. I think it's even lower than that now just because they're pushing for paid advertising. Not to say that Instagram isn't it anymore and not to say that Instagram isn't important, but I would just say, you know, referring to the question is my attention right now is on TikTok. Like I'm heavily on it. Um, and I just believe because of the growth and it's seen so much growth um, in a short period of time that that's where the next wave is. Nice. What is one tip you would give someone if they were listening on making a good TikTok video? And is it only it. dancing? Oh. Is it is it only dancing? No. Can you like I don't know. I so that's like all more. I see. <laughs> yeah. So right now, just because you have to you have to understand, it's very similar to uh, let's, again. I, I refer to it because that's what I think of it the most is uh, Vine, um, where it's short consumption and on Vine, which started out with a lot of comedy skits. Right? Like you would see a lot of comedy skits. You would see a lot of. Um, like people just doing their own things. It's an open playing field. It's like being at a playground. You see people playing basketball. You see people on the swing set. You see people playing soccer. And you see a guy doing frisbee tricks, right? So that's what TikTok is. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of everything. People are figuring out that niche. But that doesn't mean that, one, you shouldn't be on it. Um, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, you could be on it. If the, the reason is, is because the reach is so big. Someone told me the other day, he's like, oh, well, how am I going to advertise the 15-year-olds? 15 15-year-olds 15 aren't my my target audience. I go, well, they aren't today, but if you wait another three years, they're 18 years old and they have a credit card and they started college. So that's who your target audience is. Mm. Right. And even if they're not like a realtor said the same thing to me, I was like, well, at 18 years old, they're moving out of their parents' house. They're looking to rent something near their college. So there's no right or wrong, but the idea is just like one stay, stay within your niche, know what you're doing. So if you're a real estate agent, post real estate properties, get personalities to it, you know, put your face behind it. Um, put, um, to put your face in front of the camera and talk to them about what you're doing Two, post consistently post anywhere between two to three times a day. Um, the, the people say, what are the right times just due to right now when people are on it is in the early mornings, mid afternoon, uh, afternoon, lunchtime, and then evening. So nine, 12, three, 10, one, five, right. When people are commuting, right. If the world was moving as it is, but right now, with what it is i'll just say find those gaps four hours in between number three look at the trends there's an there's a setting on it where you can look at trends look at a trend recreate a trend give your own personal twist to it four keep them short and sweet into the punchline you want to tell a story people love storytelling if you notice the biggest 
um, videos aside from the, there's a handful of uh, TikTokers out there who just, because they're following now so big, they could do anything and they, um, they have that large viewership. But the idea is tell a story, tell a short story, you know, compassionate. One of my biggest uh, views on TikTok, it's over like, I think it's over like 3 mil right now is when uh, a group of us from the summit HPLT, we went over to this place called the recovery lounge in LA, which I highly recommend. And a group of them jumped into the cold tub. They jumped into the cold tub. And as they jumped in, I put in text flashing the benefits of cold therapy. Right. So I told the story of what they were doing and why they were doing it and what, how it helped them. And then the fifth thing is using trending music. There's a, there's a trending song that give you like your own kind of, uh, iTunes setup of what's trending. You could pick from genres. Use trending music. That really helps. And then the last thing is using relevant hashtags to your audience. So if it's a dance video, hashtag dance. And as you put them in into the caption setting, into the captions, you could see how many people have looked it up. So you could check how many other people have looked that specific hashtag in. And with those six things, staying with your niche, posting consistently, looking at the trends, giving your own twist, keep it short, tell a story using trending songs and relevant hashtags, I promise you, you'll find success on TikTok. No excuses now. I got to get on it. We're going to go viral. <laughs> there we, I, and, and I would say the biggest thing, so someone, um, uh, there was another pro, friend of mine who has a business and they're like, oh, it's another social media page I have to worry about. I told, yes, but I just believe because of the organic reach on it, which is, it's free. There's no paid dollars right now. You do not have to that you'll thank yourself later. And once you hit, here's an example of people thinking, all right, how can I make money? Is once you hit 10K on, on TikTok, you can do TikTok lives. And at that point, you go similar to Instagram, you go live with your audience and you could tell them about a product, a service, talk to them, do Q and A's. And then there's automatic links that they can send, you can send in the chat and they can access and purchase on the spot. It's like oh. having a live QVC. And so... There's just no excuse. It's a brand new platform. So many people are on it. And I think it would be truly, it would just be sad if you weren't on it. And it's not because um, it's just another platform. It's the idea that it's another opportunity to grow and it helps with your brand and helps with your name. It's just another outlet to get it out there. And TikTok is where it's at just due to how much people, how much time is being put into it from so many people. It's one of the fastest growing social media apps. This is good. I'm going to take this as a challenge for myself. I know Joe's been putting out some fire TikToks. It's fun. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. Yeah, but you're a funny guy. Thank yeah. you. No, yeah, and this is another thing. I, I said this I said this on uh, you know, our buddy Nick Tags. I said this on his podcast. Is be a creator. Don't be a consumer. So, like, you can get similar to Instagram, but TikTok's so much worse. It's like a TikTok black hole. You look at one video, you swipe again, you see another video, you see another video. Soon before you know it, you've been on your couch for 45 minutes looking at dance videos. And you haven't made one for yourself. Consume with the idea of creating. Save the video. There's a feature, if you like it, you could hold down on the video, and then you could add to your favorites. And so that favorite tab, you can go and look at later, so that you could use as inspiration from when you create it again. Or if you see someone that you really like, in the bottom right corner, you'll see a disc that's spinning that shows the song. You can click on that song and then save the song so you could use it on a later time period when you film your own video. So as you're consuming, think of ways that you can create your own content. Don't just sit there and waste your time on consuming content. And I'm a victim to that too. I don't want to make it sound like I'm perfect and I sit there and think, oh, how can I make more videos? I do that and I also get lost in that TikTok yeah. black hole, I like to call it. But just think about it. How can you be creative versus a consumer? 
Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, suggestion for a lot of people. I think that people, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting on this, that you can become a consumer so easily, right? Oh, yeah. I have I have a question as somebody who is very much in this space. Maybe not so much how do you feel about it, but, you know, the the, the mental health aspect of this all or how, how do you maybe disconnect from social media being, you know, it's such a big driver in your life. Are you able to... To disconnect yourself and kind of spend some time away is there you know do you do you think there's a benefit to taking time away from that kind of thing um i i would say that i'm still figuring that out myself i i don't just because hmm i want to phrase this correctly without sounding crazy i just i love what i do and i i spend so much time invested into it is because i i love it and that you know, I, I do believe in kind of a digital disconnect, um, but that's something I battle with myself. I'm not going to be on this podcast and tell you that I do it often or that I, um, it's something that I practice because I don't, but it's something that I'm figuring out for myself. I haven't discovered that thing yet for me because it's the way I run my business, it's the way I run my life. Um, I definitely do have times where I'm trying to figure out like when I'm present. So right now, one of the biggest moments is definitely for my fitness. So during this quarantine, I told myself, how can I come off better? Like there's definitely everyone dealing with something. There's definitely so many struggles. People are dying. It's a very weird time we're living in today. And so for me, it's how can I better myself? And so one of the things was my fitness and I'm going on these long runs. I haven't ran this much or ran this long since high school. And during those times, I'm just listening to music and looking at the nature. I'm very lucky to be living with my friend right off the water. So my runs are alongside palm trees in the water. Um, so I guess in that way, I'm currently practicing it. You know, as I'm speaking to you, I'm reflecting on it. Those are my times of stepping away from it. Um, but at the end of the day, I believe it's the world we live in. You know, we're saying it's a world that we're constantly connected. Um, and in the time period where people could say it's a great time to relax, I would say different. I think if this is the time that you improve, this is the time that you find yourself and realign with what you want and what you need in your life today. This is about understanding who you are, right? And understanding who your circle is, who your, what your goals are. Last night, I think it was my, my room and my friends were just watching Netflix and I was there and out of nowhere, it sparked to me. I just, I had my own vision. I grabbed my journal and I call it mind dumping. I had a bunch of stuff in my head and it was kind of overwhelming me. I opened up my journal and I started putting things down that, everything that in my head from goals to things that bothered me to things that I wanted to change. And it's ever evolving, right? Like being disconnected, but at the same time staying connected. So in short telling you, I'm, I'm figuring it out myself, but at the same time, I guess through these long runs that I'm currently doing during this quarantine, um, having those moments of uh, disconnect. That's excellent, Roger. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta take some time to figure yourself out. Um, you still have time. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't rush that kind of thing. But, uh, that mind dump, I personally do it myself. I think it's a, it's a really great practice. Therapeutic. Yeah, definitely. Yo, Roger, I, I'd be remiss to not, to not, uh, ask you about a recent project that you just did. I want to make sure that we hit on this going back to your, your professional career. Cause you, yeah. you know, we, we talked about, you know, just how you got started, um, which is amazing. And then out of, you know, seemingly out of nowhere for maybe people that didn't know you, you had all this success where it seemed you started to work with all these incredible people. And it was just this crazy ride over the last couple of years. Um, you shared with me 
recently about the, what, what was it? The hundred million experience, Marvel oh, yeah. mastermind experience. How did that even yeah, come about? Share, share with us what that even is and how you got connected. Um, so yeah, uh, that's still one of the most wildest events I've ever attended in regards of the status of the room um, and influence. So uh, one of someone who's also uh, a mentor of mine, someone who I respect, someone who I listen to on the daily, his name is Dan Fleischman. Um, he's the youngest person ever to have a publicly traded company. Um, he had an energy drink at a time when there was no web, no internet or no social media inside 55,000 retail stores. He's an angel investor in over 20 plus companies. Um, and then he also now runs a social media agency that um, manages over 60, I believe the number $60 million a year in social media marketing. And so he uh, came into my life through an event that I attended through a good friend of mine named Casey Adams. And we went down to another conference together. I was videoing him. He was sitting to my right two, two chairs away. He slides a sticky note to me saying, hey, can you record me? Um, I'll pay you. And again, this is someone who at the time I've had any real intimate conversations with. It's just because I've witnessed him on stage speak. And through the circle of people I was surrounded by, I had his name was constantly being brought up because of the amount of respect people have for him. And so I immediately said, yes, like, truthfully, I would have done it for free because it was an opportunity to work with him. And I wanted that. So he goes up on stage, I record him. And then I thought to myself, how can I leave him a great impression? How can I do something for him that he won't forget me? Because right now in my field, there's a bunch of creators and he's in LA, which is essentially like the heart of creators and media, right? So I'm a dime a dozen. So I grabbed that recording, which what the only thing he had paid me to do. I went upstairs to my hotel room and I made an edit for him of him speaking with, you know, text and kind of subject on top that he was focused on, made it cool, found a, a great non-copyrighted song, sent it to him alongside the raw footage. And his response was, wow, this is amazing. Thank you so much for going above and beyond. And the point of the story is little did I know that that moment would change so much for me after. In less than 48 hours, he puts me in a group chat with, who is one of like the top music executives and icon in the music industry. Um, he was a president of a record label, Charlie Walk. He, you know, he's helped assist and found some of the biggest artists you guys may know today from Shawn Mendes to Post Malone to, you know, he helped out with Hits Don't Lie, Shakira, um, John Mayer, The Weeknd, the Jonas Brothers, he put them together. He made their separate brands. He helped out Nick Jonas. I can just go on and on with stories with him, but he puts me in a group chat with him in less than 48 hours off of something that I did for him. And that relationship just kept growing throughout the past year because that was around this time last year. Um, and then he started his own private mastermind called the hundred million dollar mastermind where he united 28 of the most, I would say effective um, um, executioners in their field. Um, they've grossed or done over a hundred million dollars in their own business. So that's why they're quote unquote experts. This is not just opinion or someone who calls themselves that these are people that are doing it and have done it. And so he selected, I believe the final number is like 28 or 30 um, teachers in this program. And it's a private mastermind that costs a hundred thousand dollars for the year. And they only selected a hundred people. So they kept that consistent hundred million dollar mastermind, a hundred people each paying a hundred thousand. And the first one was in LA a couple months ago, back in November. And I signed, you know, he reached out to me to come help out document it. And little did I know the 
the type of weekend it was going to be aside from the people in the room who are all power players and people that are living, breathing on what they say and executing on it. Um, he flew in Mark Wahlberg from London to speak for an hour. Um, the next day, um, he's very close to Steve Aoki. Um, and so Steve Aoki's best friend is Dan Bilzerian. We spent time at Dan Bilzerian's house for the whole day. That's, he rented out the house for the day. Um, and then later in the evening, he had a, a poker tournament for charity. And that charity event would have Chris Tucker um, as the host, Nick Cannon as the DJ. And then an hour and a half later, Tyga would show and perform. And that, that was just the first two days, aside from the business masterminding, which was the real purpose of it, they would get together and have speakers throughout the day. The next day, they rent out this, what is known as like the Porsche experience. And he then goes on to have people like Magic Johnson speak, Chris Jenner, uh, the right-hand person, uh, her name is, I can't remember her name off the top of my tongue, but she was the right-hand person to P. Diddy, who helped launch like Ciroc. Um, Amanda Cerny, who's one of the biggest like social influencers who's grossed over like 30 million followers across all her platforms and kind of sets the trends with, you know, on social media and what people do and how they do it. She's amazing. Um, yeah, that's just kind of a gist of that weekend. It was one of the most powerful weekends and rooms I've ever been in, in my life. It's unreal. I mean, what, what was your biggest takeaway, man? Like what was the thing that you kind of learned being yeah, in so, that yeah, type of energy. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, the number one thing, this is the number one thing that everyone said across the board um, in regards of growing a business. And Chris Jenner said this, Magic Johnson said this, um, uh, Mark Wahlberg kind of like dabbled around it because he hires his family. He spoke about Wahlbergers, but he said that you hire, hire, uh, you hire fast and fire quickly. That's it. And that the concept. That's that's, yeah, that's, that's the, the sauce. Yeah, he, he they always wow. talk about bringing people on is one thing, but you want to always fire the quickest. And of course, I truthfully I can go on and on. I have like a notebook of things, of things that occurred that weekend. But the that was like the number one thing. You know, the the simplest of it was that, and the biggest thing too was constantly these people work so hard. Um, Chris Jenner said something that stuck with me. Um, she says she wakes up every day at uh, around like 4.30 a.m., 4.35 a.m. And by then, she brushes her teeth and she goes on her treadmill. And she has an obsession with, uh, there's this show, it's not CSI, but something in that context. So she watched that show. And then um, she's on phone calls and emails with people from Europe and the East Coast because people have already started their day. So the European market is closing um, because she's in the West Coast. And by then, if she's up by six, that means it's 9 a.m. And that people in New York and Miami have been in their office for an hour already. And seeing her and listening to her dynamic, like the Kardashian name and brand, so people will make fun of it. But that family has created something that is unheard of. You know, they're the face of anything that they touch and it turns gold. And similar to her, Magic Johnson, he's someone that I wasn't aware of so many different businesses that he's gotten involved with and how he's been able to grow them um, and his investment to it. Um, you know, speaking about the question you said earlier about stepping away from social media, Magic Johnson actually um, removed the whole month of August for, from him every single year. I think, uh, don't, I don't want to quote me on how long he's been doing this, but he said every single year for the month of August, he's away. He goes to Europe with his family. 
obviously this year that may be different, but um, he says that he does that and he has the right people in place and he has the right things in place for him to be away during that 30 day period. That's his time to relax and be with his family and step away. Yeah. I really think disconnecting is something that we all need to learn how to do. I don't have the answer for it, but I think that the more we do it, cause I, I feel like, you know, your phone's dead for an hour and you're like, Oh man, that felt really good. Just step yeah. away for a minute. Right. So I think we have a lot to yeah. learn um, about that kind of thing. Yeah. Roger, dude, this but was, Oh, what's up? No, I just want to add one more thing. And I think the biggest thing, like aside knowing people and name dropping is cool, I guess, like it's important in the world we live in, especially in the social world. But for me, like the biggest blessing from all this and everyone listening is that I said yes to everything. I, my opportunities didn't come just because they just were knocking. It was the idea that like I did everything I could. Like I always gave anyone and everyone a chance that gave me a chance to do something from an Indian dance Academy to, you know, shooting a wedding to um, shooting a kid's birthday party to covering a fitness class to covering a retreat covering an international fitness retreat like I always said yes to it a lot of the times I was scared and a lot of the times I quote-unquote wasn't prepared for it but I would do things that would make myself feel better about it right and for anyone that's unsure about what they're doing and why they're doing it you have to understand that no one ever really knows what they're doing and if they do if they're faking it have it fake it till you make it right or it's finding out the right people in your circle, finding that mentor. You know, I, I was doing a podcast, a podcast a couple of days ago with Angela Gargano and she said something so great, which is she was scared and she was nervous, but she found a mentor and then she built the right systems and protocols in place to better fulfill what she wanted and what she needed in her life. And so through that, I just want to finish saying, you know, that no one knows what they're doing and people figure it out as they go. Just make sure that you do it with the right people and people you love and make sure that what you do, that you love it because no one's going to do it for you. No one's going to pick to fulfill what you want out of life. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. It really means a lot for me to be able to tell my story and kind of just, I don't know, share and give any hopeful ideas or passions to people because we're in a strange time right now where so many people feel uncomfortable and so many people are scared. So I'm just thankful that you guys allowed me and gave me an opportunity to yeah, man. Of course, I, I I think your story is was one that should be talked about, just because it comes from such a cool place of, you know, having somewhat of a vision or maybe trusting your gut so early on, and then, you know, the success that you're having now, I think, is just a testament to to the hard work that you put in. Right? I think you took that leap of faith, and then, sort of speak, you, you know, you took the jump, and you're building the plane like on the way down. You were like, I'm betting on myself. I'm going to figure this out which is something that I think is a very honest answer. It's something that we've heard, you know, across the board with people that we've talked to. Um, It's the truth. Like we don't always know what we're doing, but you might have a vision for what you're trying to accomplish. And then you're just in a place of servitude. You're just like, I just want to deliver for you. And one thing I've noticed with you is that you over deliver. If you found an opportunity, if there was something presented to you, you were like, maybe I don't know everything that needs to be done, but I'm going to figure it out because I have that confidence. And then two, I'm going to give you more than what you asked me for. I I want to share that. Thank you. I I really, that's so kind of you to say that. I really appreciate that. And kind of, again, just saying that on the, on the record, I really appreciate that. We, you know, there's many times where you're going to get offered things that you may not be sure about. 
but sometimes do it and over deliver. And I have a perfect example with that. I was recently, not recently, it was back in September, uh, an amazing men's clothing company called Rome. They're based in New York. Um, they have all their offices in Connecticut and kind of their homegrown brand. They're just starting out. They were doing their first ever retreat. And so they contacted me and they're like, hey, it's a three-day thing. We need photos and videos. And they're outlining all these deliverables. And for what they wanted, you know, for the full thing, me spending three days with them, the dollar amount with also bringing someone, it didn't make sense for me, you know, because of what I typically quote unquote charge. And then I thought to myself, don't chase the dollar. Think about who I'm surrounding myself with. These are pro A players in New York City who are trainers that I want to further extend my relationship with. And that two, hey, what if you don't do this as a three-day thing? What if you go all in and over-deliver and maybe you become their guy for content? So I went there. I was hired to do the, the, the whole thing was just like, hey, capture, capture a couple videos of us doing things throughout the weekend and make a full weekend recap. That's what I was hired to do. I, again, with that intention, go above and beyond, think what more can I do for myself to further extend not only this relationship, but the people in the room, they see how hard I work and what I'm capable to do. I then go on every single thing we did. I created Instagram stories and had photos edited within hours for them, for them to post every day. We went paintballing, they, they, the, the arrival, um, them chilling by the pool, them hanging out, playing football, the morning workout, us going to a brewery, um, Every single thing that we did, we had photos for it in the Dropbox that they had all access to so they could post through the weekend and Instagram stories that the company could use. And then I created the recap video. Little did I know one of the people on the trip, he's the owner, Gregory from Gregory's Coffee. He saw what I did. I had never met him before. He was a part of that group. He saw what I did. Four months later, he bought me a plane ticket to go to Guatemala and capture all of the coffee production over 45% of his 30 coffee locations throughout the tri-state area come from Guatemala. So he flew me to Guatemala with him and his team to capture it all. And so I tell that story because it's the essence of going above and beyond. It's the, the idea that you get hired to do something. And if you put everything that you love and what you want to do into it, it's not the idea of I was expecting anything back. I don't want that to get twisted, but it's the idea that I'm going to be here. I'm going to make sure people remember me. I'm going to make sure that the amount that I'm getting paid for that they know that every single dollar that I worked my ass off for it and that another opportunity to come. And every single person in that group from Evan, I traveled to, he, uh, he was hired as a instructor in Barbados. After that weekend, he spoke, you know, we already had a friendly relationship, but it grew after that weekend. And he ends up then, we end up reaching out to the company in Barbados that he was uh, hiring for and he vouched for me and I ended up traveling to Barbados. Kenny Santucci, he has his own event in New York City called New York Strong. He saw what I did that weekend. He hired me as a videographer for that. Which, so, so many other opportunities came from that one moment of me telling myself, let me not be petty because of the dollar amount. Let me think about the opportunity, the people I'm surrounded by and the people I want to grow with yeah. that I believe that will believe in me based off my work. Yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it's an important way to look at things like as you have that long-term vision right? That maybe it's not just the isolated project, but you know, your bigger purpose and what you're really trying yeah. to accomplish. Um, it does change right. things. I think that's, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you touched on that. Um, I think it's an important thing to, to understand. Um, Roger, I want to, I want to ask you one, one last question, um, Do it. before we go. So I love asking this question. Uh, what is, what is like the impact or your mission, uh, that you have in this industry? 
great question. Hmm. I think about how with what I do in the content creation space that I want other people to know that anyone could do it. Anyone could learn and that there's no excuse to stop yourself, even if it's your family or your best friend telling you that ultimately that if you feel empowered or creative to do it, do it and don't look back. Like, don't look back. It's so cliche again, but just don't look back. Stay focused on what you want to do. Stay focused on that thing that itches you to do more. And the right things and the right people will come. Um, I, I think about my five-year goal as a life of 10. I still am trying to figure that out. But the idea that I want people to get across now is that for me, and by the end of this podcast, the biggest takeaway is to risk all you can on yourself. Because if once you do that, you know how uncomfortable you can get and how you feel that nothing else or no one can bother you or stop you from doing it. Like I'm so confident in what I do and what I could do that there's no one, you could tell me something and you know, if I take, you know, positive constructive criticism, tell me I just, if it's that bad, then I'll do it. But if it's just hating on my work or hating on what I do, then I shrug my shoulders, say, all right, man, I guess, you know, we're not meant to work together and we don't have the same creative eye, which is okay. You know, people could have their opinions, but ultimately it's knowing that you feel confident in your own skin to, do what you want to do in your field. And for me, the other creators listening is follow your passions and don't listen to anyone else. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. It's going to be weird. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to question yourself a lot, but if you do it so many times over and over and you know, you love what you're doing, every it'll, it'll work itself out. Things will happen that you can't imagine and the right people will come into your life. Yeah, man, I, I definitely think that you are the perfect combination of um, confidence, um, passion, happiness, and hard work. Uh, and if anybody would need um, someone to look up to for that kind of thing, I think that uh, you're the guy. So um, I, I appreciate that. And, and, even, and, and, and I, say this, I say this with the utmost respect. I really appreciate that. But even if I'm not the guy, for anyone listening or anyone that's watching this, I don't know how you guys are supposed to but listening is the idea is that find that person, right? Like if you look at my content and you don't relate to me, that's okay. But find someone else that you can look up to and learn from them. Like that was the biggest thing that I had to learn is that you're not going to always do what other people are doing. And it's not going to come out the same. Why? Because you have a different eye, you have a different perspective and you have a different, there's, a, there's something about being in the moment and being, having that opportunity, like right now, the opportunity during the coronavirus as a creator, you should be creating content about hospital workers, you know, positivity in the, the corona experience, things that move the world, right? Don't make it about yourself, make it about you and find someone that you relate to as a creator. Even if, if it is me, I, I'm thankful, I appreciate it. I don't see why I'm not special or how I'm different from most, but the idea is that find someone that you love and find someone that you can look up to because the moment you do that, you're already putting yourself in the right quote unquote circle. And they may not be your friend. They could be your virtual friend because you're just watching them and learning from them. And that's the biggest takeaway is that you're investing your time into someone that you look up to and to someone's work that you admire. Roger, dude, thank you so much for this talk, man. That was, that was amazing. I think people are going to get a lot from this. So we really, thanks for sharing your experience and just your story with us, man. Really, thank you. No, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it again for coming on and having the opportunity to speak. I, mean, I really appreciate it. I'm about to go crush a workout, so I'm stoked. 
<laughs> Go get it, man. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We're going to see you next time. Thanks, Roger. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Breakdown. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did receive some value from this episode, please remember to share with a friend, spread the word, and help us grow this podcast as we look to bring on even more guests onto the show and spread the mission of this podcast, which is bringing some clarity in this fitness industry and keep providing you guys with quality content. So please leave a review, a comment, subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all the other platforms. And until next time, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next time.